When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani, and welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola, and I'm with my partner in crime, the notorious PLB Patrick O'Boyle, at a very, very special place. You probably tell this is not my normal tone of voice and uh, ebullient approach to... Entering into a podcast and beginning a show because we are at P169, the Robert F. Kennedy School, Manhattan, New York. We are here on 56th Street on the east side of Manhattan, and we are spending the day with a very special Italian-American and a very special class and a very special project that came to our attention through Pat. So instead of our normal kind of back and forth, because you could hear we're in a classroom. I don't deserve any credit for this. I always say... To my credit, that we have the gold standard of listeners. We sure do. We really do. No other podcast can hold a candle to our listeners. And one of our listeners, Maria Teresa Quaranta, is... Maria Teresa, how would you term appropriately and accurately describe... Would you say you're a teacher for special needs children or... How do you define what you do here? I definitely think I say I'm an educator slash teacher is more like the slang language when you're on, like, you know, talking to, in your personal life. But I definitely think I'm an educator because I want to make a difference in the life of the students. So I try to really change their mindset, their vision. I try to really work with families and broaden their horizons. So I would say educator, but usually I say special ed teacher because I always make a point that I'm special ed. That's just something I'm very passionate about, the special and ed. Can you define for the listeners... What are the special needs of the students that you have here? So I love students with autism. I love students with Down syndrome, intellectual disabilities, emotional and behavioral disabilities. So I can work with any severe disability, hence I'm District 75. So it's not the average dyslexia, the average speech impediment, the average hyperactivity, ADHD. It's, it's more severe. It's more entailed. It's, you know, where the behavior or emotional disturbances occur. The Down syndrome, the intellectual disabilities, the autism, where it really impacts their life and impedes them and socially, emotionally, and learning. And so the reason why we're here today is what really grabbed my attention is why don't you tell everybody out there in the podcast why we're here today, what you're doing in this class that makes it so special. So today is very close and dear to my heart. It's kind of like my day that I get to celebrate my legacy of my family, everything I was raised. We're celebrating the Italian-American heritage celebration for Italian Heritage Month in October. So you're celebrating Italian-American Heritage Month here in this classroom in Manhattan for special needs children. And most, of, all, I don't think any of these children have any Italian-American background to them. I, I, I believe none. Maybe if they did their genealogy, they might, but currently none. None of them are, none mm-hmm. of them are identified yeah. Italian. And you, you we're here because <coughs> of the celebration, but the celebration is a culmination of a program you created to incorporate Italian and Italian-American culture into your classroom. But before we get into the program, I want to... We've been here filming today because we're going to have a version of Greetings from Italian-America, our new kind of postcards from Italian-America, our shorter-form stuff will be out on YouTube probably today, same day as this comes out. So you'll be able to meet Maria Teresa and see the classroom and how wonderful the project is. But we were talking before offline, and you were telling us that your background was not always in education. You grew up... 
Italian-American family in the Bronx. Tell us about the journey that brought you here. So I, I, I always, oh, my God, my mom, if she's listening right now, she'll be, like, smiling, beaming. <laughs> but she always told me to be a teacher. But, of course, I didn't want my mom to be right. I, I was like, I'm not proof that she's wrong. <laughs> and my dad wanted me to go into business. And my Norna wanted a lawyer in the family. So I was the granddaughter he chose was so I go to law school. Wow. And when I went to St. John's University, my dad and my grandfather thought it was great. It was all set up to go to law school, and it was a great law program. And I, I went into business, a tax accountant. I think that has to do with my upbringing, being around my dad. He owned his own business, so I was always around that entrepreneurial spirit. And I did the whole path of, like, my bachelor's in accounting, my master's in taxation. Before I was graduated from undergrad, I already had signed an agreement to recruit your Young, EY. I did an internship. I was all slotted up. My future, I thought, was bright. Like, my my mom kept saying, oh, you're great with kids. She kept saying, oh, I need you to come volunteer at my school. She works in the school as a physical therapist. Just, you know, for this event, I loved working with those students, so I have to be grateful for those opportunities. I volunteered throughout high school and college with kids. I went down to Atlanta, Georgia during college and did a reading program for underprivileged children. I went into corporate. I thought this was the best thing. Uh, and then I realized, oh, man, I was working seven days a week, 14, 15 hours, missing family events, missing friends. I was kind of like MIA. I, I was getting pictures sent, getting text messages. And then something in my heart kept saying, oh, those kids. I had one particular, I think I mentioned in the video, John, with you, Boy Luciano, I remember for religious education, CCD, who was Italian-American. He moved me. He was crying that he missed his mom. His mom wasn't coming to pick him up. I kind of promised, hoping to God nothing happened. Nothing did happen that day. I made a deal with him that if he came in and I taught him, and then every week until he made his first Holy Communion, I would teach him he had autism diagnosis. And he kind of always resonated in my back of my mind at EY when I was looking at those Excel spreadsheets for the real estate companies. And I was on some really amazing accounts, really great learning opportunities. I say I like had a mid-quarter life crisis at hmm. 25. I just left. I quit out of nowhere. I said, I'm not going to be a teacher to my partner. When he said, what are you doing? I'm not going to be a teacher. I saved enough money. My parents were like, you have to figure it out on your own. And I had to figure it out on my own. But I, I definitely don't regret it. I don't look back on my decision. When you say partner, you mean the partner for in the company you worked for. Yeah. My wife did the same thing. My, my wife, eerily enough, Nicole comes from the Bronx, like, like you, or you're from Pelham, right? Um, yeah, like Pelham Bay Mars yeah, section. Which I is grew sort of Pelham Manor, I think, is in the Bronx. Went to EY, put a couple of years in, realized it was taking over her life and didn't wasn't fulfilling her passion and she left. And yeah, same so I know all the terminology, I know how yes. much you worked, busy seasons, all night, all those things, right? Yeah, they were definitely cruel they were some gruesome ones. Definitely goes against their Italian American upbringing. Yeah. It's definitely difficult. Because it, it is a, it is a demanding life, right? And it's, you don't have time for family, and you don't have any of that stuff. Yeah, I actually missed the last three months of my Norno's life due to working, and I think that was something I was very bad about at EY. I don't think it was EY's fault, but I think I blamed EY that it stole three months of him and me bonding because we were. I'm like his mini me. I'm, you know, everything I think about till this day. I'm like, am I making you proud? Am I living out your legacy? There's so much of that I feel like he's ingrained in me. Even like the pastadilla at Easter, I have to make because of him. Mm. I have to make certain cookies for the holidays. If not, like I think, it's like I don't know. It's just not the same. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the thing that we all relate to is as the the keepers in our family of all the traditions, and it's amazing the dichotomy between the American pursuit of business and success and, and then when your family is at stake so you pivoted to this amazing career here special education you come up with this curriculum now this italian american curriculum that you can incorporate into your fifth grade classroom and other teachers can utilize it too tell us how you came up with this and why you can incorporate our culture into these very diverse lessons you were telling us about so I think when we came back from COVID, it was a lot of social emotional learning, a lot of like try to connect the families, kind of connect the students back to school, back to the classroom setting. So the first one was like a theme was Hispanic Heritage Month was perfect because most of my students are Hispanic and it was a great success. And I started researching about the Hispanic, making lessons like different music. I kind of was teaching myself and I went, you know, now it's October's coming. And I was like, well, 
I got to do it for my culture. And it was kind of like something I enjoyed doing at first. It was fun. And then I saw the students' reaction to it. And then when I started thinking about it and sharing with people, people were like, oh, you could actually teach students with autism that. And then it was kind of like talking to Pat. And Pat was like, wow. And then I met a few other people. And they were like, wow, that's really cool. And I realized, like, maybe I do have, like, a little bit of, like, a nice little thing going on. I didn't think of it initially as something big or anything. I just thought of it as something fun to do and yeah. research because I am really passionate about being Italian. How did you two meet? She's a listener. But how did you get in I touch? I talk to every listener. <laughs> I know, but somebody's got to reach out list, to you. And you're listening I, and you don't talk to me. That's your problem. Um, I, I talk say, to everybody else. Amongst the thousands of listeners out there, I'm sure there's some who don't contact you. But you reached out to Pat or Pat reached no, out to I you? I think Pat reached out to me on Instagram. When people friend me on Instagram and I don't know who they are, I asked them if they're a listener, and I, I just started talking. Oh, to so them. you, so you reached out. You saw, and you were working on a project based around your travels to Italy. Yes, I was. It was a little dolce vita con Mari, and I remember Pat just messaged me, and then he asked. I said I was young, and connected me with these young Italian American leadership group lady chat, and then it kind of all just snowballed from there. You're on one of Pat's text chats. Because this is the future. Yeah, this is what fascinates. There's so many aspects of this that fascinates me, right? And, you know, there are people who have not heard the podcast who are prejudices against the podcast because some people think it's a bada-bing, bada-boom. You know, I've had people say that to me. Like I just, I was, they were surprised at the intellectual component of this podcast. Yes. Had, it's intellectual had, and it's fun. We've had guests tell us that. Guests tell us that. They thought we were going to say, hey, you know, how does your mother roll her meatballs? You know, yeah. that's what they thought it was going to be. You know, and I think there's a lot of aspects. It's, it's the NPR of Italian America and also... Not to go off again on the the kudos I sing of our own podcast, but part of it is defining what is the future of Italian America going to be. Yeah, because in a cult, the, we come from a culture of negativity on top of negativity. Right? Talk to my mother. Right? We are not. <laughs> it's always darker. Right? Right? You know, it's always darker after the storm. Right? <laughs> it's only going to get worse. It's all finished, and it's not going to be all finished. It's going to be different. Yeah. Because people like Maria Teresa are in the trenches. Yeah. Right. It's it's the, the the younger millennials, Gen Z, and they are fighting for this. And the, the reason I say it is that I don't know anywhere in the world that's more multicultural than New York. And our identity in New York was stronger 30 years ago. Sure. And the Italian-American population in New York was stronger. And now we've been on a, a slow eclipse, a slow decline. And our presence at the, t- at the multicultural table of New York is shrinking, right? Yeah. And there's a question of where we are or why should we be here. And I've said time and time again, we stand equal with everybody else. We're lesser than no one. And we have a contribution to make. And just as the multicultural sharing of New York has exposed us to cultures that would have been unknown 30 years ago in obscurity, Maria Teresa is sharing who we are with these kids. And if you came here today and saw what John and I saw, these kids are fascinated by Italian and Italian-American culture. Yeah, and you're doing it in a way, an interesting way. You're comparing it to their own culture, to other cultures. You're bringing a lot of different, you know, compare and contrast. And, and you're explaining to me that that's a big part of education, right? What do you see in sharing it that way, but also what are they accomplishing that way? I feel like when you bridge differences, like definitely it's important for students living in New York City. And my students are very smart. They're high, they're verbal, they're high level. And they're going to go out there and get jobs, and they're going to not always work with people of their ethnicity, race, social economics, and they have to know how to be acceptable of people, and I think tolerate people, and I think that's a big thing overall. They just tolerate, like, your differences and my differences and celebrate those differences. And for me, it's fun to learn about different cultures. They enjoy it because it's hands-on activities. It's creative projects. They get to explore food. We do one for any culture I can get my hands on, and someone's willing to teach me because I'm very passionate about Italian, but I also, you know, feel like the students need to learn the differences of and celebrate those differences. And a lot of them are very excited to learn about my culture because they draw a connection to their teacher and a lot of other teachers I work with that they've had in the past are of Italian-American descent. So they feel like they're connecting. And then when they have Hispanic descent, you can also bridge that comparison to how are they similar Italian and Hispanic, but also different. So it brings into like comparing and contrasting. 
ELA goals. So it brings into a lot of different players. Like the Tarantala was like counting, so math skills that you don't think about unless you're in education and you're just giving them a different perspective of that lesson. It's so funny how in, how much education's changed since we were kids and like you know you sat in rows and everybody had the exact same lesson plan and everything. You know, a guy like me who had dyslexia. Irish nuns. Uh, yeah, I had German nuns, but I, yeah, it's a different world. I think if you run into a general education upstairs classroom, you see that kind of world because I don't think it's changed. I think this is why I love District 75. It's such a different world. Mm. It's like a unique like little classroom, and, and especially like when you're given opportunity by your administration to grow and be able to be creative. That's a great thing, too. I mean, it's amazing. We're here in the classroom, right? Like right now, your students, you've got... How many kids in the class today? Currently seven. seven. I have ten, but three are absent. So you have seven kids today. They're do everybody's doing different projects. You have two teaching aides with you. Yes. What are they called? Paraprofessionals. Paraprofessionals. Because it's an, to your credit, special needs. You, you need a lot of hands on deck. Well, yeah, it's a classroom where you need a lot of help because these are non-traditional students that have needs that take multiple people in the classroom. Yeah, exactly, and it takes a lot of team support. A lot. Of, you really have to work work in as a team. I mean, we usually have three, but one, three of my students are absent. Next door, there's a staff member out, so we kind of work as a team together and just try to make it through the end of the day and keep everyone safe and happy. Yeah, and, and, and it's really like a – it feels like a family in here. Like you're in here doing this. The, the kids are still here. People come and go as they – you know, different, different teachers come in and stuff. It's very much like being in somebody's home, I think, it feels like. Yeah, I think what's nice about this site is that we're really a small site. There's only five classrooms, and we really try to, like, be, like, a little family. And I think that's something you don't always see in the classrooms. Now, now let me ask you, for a lot of our listeners, it's a hard, especially if they, they went to school in the, I don't want to say ancient history, but <laughs> when, we when, did. When, when, learning, when learning was less, uh, I'll use the word creative. What does an Italian-American cultural lesson Tell us what that is. What is the real implementation, the hands-on implementation of Italian-American curriculum for special needs kids to teach them about Italian-American culture? So I think it starts, like, before even getting into the classroom. Like, I was speaking to John. We have an app called BoardMaker online, and it takes the words, like, there and put a picture above it. So it comes from me researching it or knowledge of knowing what the lessons are be about. What am I going to really zoom in on because you you can't give too much information you really have to get the, the big picture and kind of like give a page to page and a half to meet each student where they are and then that comes in you're creating it on the board maker then you have to upload it into the smart board your google classroom print the app that is apparent because like there's people out here like me that doesn't know what board maker is so it's a special ed app that takes words and gives you pictures and would the parents use that with the kids at home? No, is it only like the education has it. Only the education, And okay. only the teachers have access to it. So it's my job to then make all these symbols, these sentence strips, these pictures that can assess for students. Some students with spelling, maybe spelling, cut and paste. If you look around the room, there's cut and paste. They, they just have to cut it. And then there's adaptable scissors. Not all the students use regular scissors. They have special scissors to be able to access it. And paste now, it in. are these real? These aren't real scissors. These are online technical scissors. No, no, these are no, adaptable. No, these are, the physical, these are like real the, physical yeah. scissors. Okay, yeah. so yeah. they cut these. They cut them out. Yes. And craft sentences out of. And create sentences out. Yes. Of. It's like pictograms almost, right? It, yeah, I can definitely show you like things I have around the room, like when we, you know, I can show you pictures so you get an idea. So it's an app that we use in District Seventy Five or Special Needs. So that's almost like hieroglyphics. Yes, it is. Yes. Now, do these children learn better with pictures than of, they do with oh, words? Oh, definitely. Even if they can read without pictures, the concepts—they're visual learners. They're the more visual it is, the more tactile it is. They need manipulatives, even math. You have a ton of manipulatives. I'll use candy corn for measurements for October and November. Because that correlates to Halloween. Yes, and like you correlate, you try to, and it's fun. So we do measurements, counting with candy corns. We do count graphing and data collection with candy, with the Super Bowl. Like who's our win? We do classrooms. The more hands-on it is, I, I believe that's the best way they learn. And the kids told me that you take them on a lot of field trips. Yes. There's a lot of outside the classroom, which is what I started my career in because I had learning disabilities, you know, dyslexia and things like that, and 
I started a nonprofit to take the kids out of classrooms. Where, where do you take them and what resonates with them? So we do, I, I love one trip that we do at the end of the school year. They have money goals, so it's always like a nice thing to walk up to 58th, I believe, McDonald's, and they have to utilize their money skills. We go early and they buy themselves lunch. We come back, eat in the lunch, uh-huh. and we go to the firehouse on 51st. Those guys are really great and they're really patient and they show us how to keep us safe. They let them get on the fire truck. So it's great just community walking, learning how to cross the street safe, be part of this community. We did that at the end of the year. We just went to Green Meadows out in Brooklyn, and then we went to the pumpkin patch, and they have petting zoo animals. Mm. So the pumpkins are still here. We're going to carve the pumpkin and do some science experiment and have some fun with that. We just haven't gotten there yet. And then we did Boo at the Zoo in the Bronx Zoo. Oh, yeah. And then we did... Oh, our main site has the homecoming. So it's like a little carnival with popcorn, cotton candy. We did that. So they've been on three trips so far. And I'm trying to always, like, look at other trips. I'm trying to plan one to a bakery on 187th. 187th. I don't think there's any non-Italian bakery on 187th. It's Arthur Avenue. It's, it's Arthur the Avenue heart of Arthur Avenue. Yeah. No, no. And I love it down there. I go down there every weekend Can to we shop. come as chaperones? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I'll do this for you. They'll walk. Because I, I can know. educate these kids in cake. <laughs> I can be, I, that's, that's my specialty here. Yeah. <laughs> that is your expertise. I don't know. I have a good Shvidatella place in Astoria, Queens. Really? really? Yeah, it's called Chedicella. They're a couple. They're from Napoli and Solano. Are they new? It's a new place? Yeah, it opened in 2020. It's really good. How they do we not know about this? Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. They do the baba rum cake. So they must be, yeah, because they're in Napoli, Salerno. It's really a Palin bakery. You go down Astoria, huh? Yeah, it's... What time is it? <laughs> Pat's going to go for is, lunch. It is worth a trip. <laughs> yeah. They do arancini. They do potato croquette. They do the scarola pie with the... Ah, scarola. That's yeah. pinoli nuts, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah you got to be careful. That'll kill Pat. I have so noticed way to some go. food allergies in here in the classroom. Oh, yes. We have to be... That's a big thing, the food allergies, because that's lawsuit compliance, so yeah. I'm a little anal with all the compliance. What's a potential lawsuit? Yeah, but I mean, you did bring your kids... Pasta and eggplant parmigiana today for lunch for Italian Fest. That's why you're the most popular teacher. I mean, I, I got to make a confession here. All the kids have said that they love her and she's their favorite teacher. Really? So you won, <laughs> you won homecoming. They I all try, love you. I try, I try. But I think part of the secret of your success is you feed the kids. I, I do. So you have yeah. macaroni, you have eggplant parmesan here today. Which you made. Which you yes, made. Yes, I made. And they and I've been told that you have the best eggplant parm in the school. So right? yes, I have some staff that are probably like waiting for their lunch breaks. Oh, they're, wait, and they're they already told we're, me we're delaying them from their yeah, eggplant parm. They already told me last next week we have a whole Thanksgiving meal. We as a community uh-huh. sit with the kids and we make like a turkey and everything on t- next Tuesday. And I have to bring eggplant parmigiana. I cannot not get away with it. Is uh, you is your family eat lasagna on Thanksgiving? You know, my mom made it, but then apparently she does three courses that she then realized she had too much left over because she does the antipasto, the lasagna, or the soup. Or some years she did both, and then she makes the main meal. Mm -hmm. She doesn't make a turkey. I don't know what she makes. Uh, Your mom doesn't make a turkey for Thanksgiving. No, she likes lamb. Wow. So she does her Easter is very impressive. And then she does, like, the fruit and the nuts, and then she does um, the dessert. So you didn't grow up having turkey on Thanksgiving? No. Who it's needs so a turkey? You got a lasagna. Make sure it makes the lasagna. Tell him <laughs> put the order in. Yeah, no, the my turkey mom can go by the wayside, but the lasagna <laughs> has to stay. So my mom took it out. As the family changed, people became more healthy. She didn't want to have all this leftover. Yeah. Something you just get better at portion control, too, you know? Like, you know what everybody's going to eat. Not you, too, John. No, I, we've done a good job. We've done a really... Just, just the amount of food we make, you know? It's... I don't know. It's a lot. But Thanksgiving is next week. But we're recording this in November... It's a, it's a very God odd only one. knows. It'll be Easter when this comes <laughs> out. It's going to come out when the video comes out. So hopefully yeah. January, with along with our IAFL. But and you're going to you're going to apply for IAFL. Yeah, I definitely want to go. Like that's my goal of 2024. Well, you know the right people. So. Well, this <laughs> is the mosaic of leaders. Yeah. I mean, think of the creativity of this, right? So we yeah. have any. My argument has always been that we should be and we are at the forefront of evolving everything, right? Yeah. So in education, we've come a long way in how we meet the needs of special need kids, yeah. right? And Maria Teresa is here, and she has shared with them because it's important for kids that have these needs to be able to see a multicultural, multidiverse world, which they're going to encounter in New York. Yeah. And she uses her own time experience to in the classroom to achieve that goal. And these kids actually literally ate it up 
Yes, they did. They've got a lot of right. Uh, they got. They got. I, I think eggplant parm pasta. They got well, Italian cookies. You brought. What's the old the Italian Oreos we used to get as kids? I haven't Ringo? seen them. Ringo's. You I got, mean, I, I don't know if they're so great, but I used to love them as a kid when I go to Italy. They we had Italian fit. potato chips. Yeah, yeah the kids yeah. are loving. And the I think the I think really that what the the proof is in the pudding, as they say. Jonathan, one of your students here. Yes. Who's recently come from Costa Rica. Yes. Who's in English as a second language learner. When you were taught them the word for grandmother, right? The, no, no, yeah. the, the Tang word for grandmother. He identified it with abuelita. I heard that because yes. he's new from Costa Rica. His grandmother's here. And he uses Spanish as his first language, his family's language. And he uses the word abuelita. So he did not... When you said grandma, it didn't click like it did with abuelita because you said no, and he goes, ah, oh, abuelita. So now you're going to have a trilingual student. We actually, when he first came to me, April 28, 23, they were like, oh, he speaks Spanish. I had at that point no Spanish speakers in my classroom. I was sweating bullets, and I ended up speaking Italian to him, and we were doing math trilingual. <laughs> so it's funny that you said it. It's already most days we, I go sometimes in Italian to him. That's amazing. But it so works. It, it works. works. He communicates with me. He has a Costa Rican dialect, which is similar to like an Italian. Hmm. A little Spanish. I know a little. It works, but yeah, it's sure. trilingual, yeah. unfortunately. How did the parents react to this class when you did the Italian-American? Because I'm sure, I'm sure with special needs kids, the parents are very involved in the classroom experience. Yeah. Every year varies. This year just happens to be a very loving, involved family. So they seemed okay. I mean, they. I think they kind of like we built a relationship three months in, which you hope a level of trust. The students are happy. I hear positive feedback for the most part. I sent home a letter to make sure compliance and we recovered. So I think overall they were okay with it. I haven't heard anything, so I'm hoping. It's funny. I spent two years or two and a half years working in the school that Pat and I had a project many, many years ago. Catholic education. I was on on site every day and the one thing I learned is you know you can be the best teacher in the world the best educator as you said but the big difference is an an involved and caring family you know it really does start and end at home and it's a big deal you know having the the parents and families involved makes all the difference in the world for these kids and I sometimes think that that's like a you know we were talking before about like how your Italian upbringing and you can stop at any time you need by the way if I think if you need how your Italian upbringing impacted who you are as an educator. And I think that that's... How do you think, Maurizio, what's a unique aspects of how you were raised in an Italian-American home that you think come out in the classroom? The I, skills it gave you. I definitely think Italians are very passionate. We're very loving. So when we decide to do something, we do a full force. There's no half effort into it. We do it all the right or none the right. Like, you know, for me, I always grew up in that entrepreneur, passionate household. I watched my father, very passionate. He always told me growing up, you have to be passionate about what you do because I know never work a day in your life. My mom's passionate about her job. So to me, that was something I saw growing up, and I always wanted to have that passion. But I think also being Italian, we're very loving and caring individuals. We're very hospitable for the most part. We want to feed people. I think that's... Something I do in this classroom, I overfeed my class, <laughs> be it for anything. You can open my drawers. I have ca- Halloween candy still in my drawers for them. <laughs> and then also my grandparents, always education was the be the change. You want to be successful. You want to make money. You want to change your upbringing. You know, education was something I remember my nono and nona always did. And, you know, installed education. Like, that was a big thing. They wanted the lawyer and the doctor, uh, the grandkids, which they got none. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. <laughs> but they got somebody who's impacting a lot more lives, you know? Yes. Yeah. And you have how many siblings? I'm an only child. So I oh, grew you're up an really only child. close with my cousins. Yeah. So they were down the block. And I think my mom and dad, it wasn't by choice, but always made a point that I wasn't going to be like selfish. I had to be very like sharing and caring and be around other people and learn like that loudness. Like my mom, growing up to this day, my mom does a lot of the holidays. She does San Giuseppe. She does La Bafana. Oh, that's good. She does Thanksgiving, Easter, 4th of July. Like, God she, bless her. Christmas Eve. She does like, she basically only has off maybe like Christmas Day. Yeah. Yeah, and the door's always open. Like growing up, my mom loves, she loves entertaining people. That's wonderful. Which one? Which side of you has Sicilian in it? Both your parents have some. It's my mom, but it's not. How even did this come? <laughs> you got you to sneak no, into the reason I think about it is because she was saying earlier. You that you, no, no, I was actually giving you credit because she yeah, was saying earlier yeah, she really identifies as guess from Campania, Napoli, Don, Salernitana, and I was going to say, could the Sicilian be the one with the very open door policy? I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know. I think it's the Napoli Don. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I think my Norna yeah. always was. So what's funny is I only knew my maternal grandparents. My paternal grandparents passed away before I was even born. So my Norna, my mom's father, always said, you're Napoli Don. Like, my poor Norna, she was a little Sicilian and Baezi, and she even thought she was Napoli Don. When she got married, she became all Napoli Don. So it happens. That's how my grandmother took on all the... My buddy's grandmother took on nothing. all the Sicilian no comments. <laughs> well, my nono didn't talk to my mom for a while when we went to Sicily. When we came back, he was a little, like, perturbed. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like your kind of guy. I'm like, you, you've, tu- you've created a monster now. <laughs> that I meet listeners, and they're like, you don't like Sicily. How did this create? How did this? I did nothing. You, I did you nothing of the sort. You're like sorcerers <laughs> behind a curtain. They create these mirages, and then yeah. people say to me, Someone came up with you're a spiffy dress. I'm like, where the hell? What did that come? I'm, I'm, I need to, you know. You say these things and you 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 conjure uh, images. Well, you are, you're certainly very pro Neapolitan, and I, it sounds like you are uh, too. I grew up with my nono, and he always said you had to, because my two nonos knew each other. Always said you had to honor your other nono because he was Nablidan. So he promised to me before he died that if there was grandkids, I guess from my parents, that they were going to be Nablidan all the way. So my two grandmothers got knocked at the Bayes and the Sicilian. <laughs> so, and they accepted it, I guess. I mean, you know. And my dad, if you talk to him, he's Napoli Don. He doesn't even say he's Italian. He's from Napoli. <laughs> That's about right. Here we go. That's Here it. we go. My mom does that. My mom's half Bayes, half Sicilian, but she always says she's Sicilian. It just happens that way. But I think all of Italy is beautiful. You said that some of these kids now have been able to, like, watch videos with you in here and learn, and that now they want to go to Italy. That's really beautiful. Yeah, one of them said, well, f- take a class trip just for a day. Oh. We'll, we'll swim to Italy. <laughs> That's a beautiful said, we'll swim to Italy. Yeah, I said, okay, you swim. <laughs> I'll meet That's you there. That's the cuteness about this yeah. classroom. Yeah, it's wonderful. These kids are very, if you could be here, yeah. it's a very loving vibe. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's a very energetic vibe. And I know it's a kind of energy also that exhausts you. It's a long, I yes. mean, you are, you might have been... Working long hours as an accountant, but your hours here are no shorter because you go home exhausted. I'm sure you're wiped out when you get home. Yeah, I'll say that by Friday night, I'm ready to, like, crash. I'm like, don't bother me Fridays. You also have work after work. To keep the parents engaged and happy, you're with their kids all day long. So a true parent that loves their kid wants everything. Like, you can't say it's 8 o'clock, I'm not that I answer this parent when they're concerned about something. Yeah, no, you got to be there. And, you know, I actually respect the parents that love their kids. I, I find it hard when the parents don't. So I'm very blessed this year. I have a really great class. I think that a lot of people who went to school in the pre-email world, present company included, don't realize that teachers today, you're, you're on the clock all the time. Because you're getting email from parents, especially yeah. parents who have kids with special needs. You're getting questioned a lot on what's going on, and you have to respond, and... It's a, it, you're on call with this. Yeah, I think the pandemic changed it too because there was like no separation. Yeah. When you were remote, you saw so much info. They saw from your end and you saw from them end. Yeah. So it kind of made it more like less divisional. Like, yeah. I think it was pre-COVID, it was a little more, you're off the clock. Yeah. Yeah, your line's blurred. through. I mean, it's every, I think everybody's lines are blurred through COVID yeah. actually. Who's working full time, who's doing whenever they get the call. I see my wife, you know, answering calls at 10 o'clock at night from... 
manufacturers, this, that, yeah. and the other. So it's a lot. But I think also, like, as we're sitting here, the kids are having their lunch hour and they're watching the movie. And <laughs> when you're teaching a class like this today, the benefit that you have with technology is so different than when we went to school. I remember, and this is on a college level, I remember when we first got the internet into a college classroom. And I had a student because I'm conditioned to teach. And if you take a, a from our time, a textbook, color images in, in textbooks were very expensive, right? Yeah. So you'd have black and white black images, and, white and, and then you'd have color images. But you had no nothing that was live. No. Right? You couldn't even approach the idea. Right. And I had a student one time ask me, and it was just kind of off the, they don't have good history background today. And we're talking about Constantinople, and they had no idea what it was. <laughs> And she said to me, well, what did it look like? How am I going to take in this class where you have a textbook that doesn't have a picture of Constantinople in it? And I paused and I said, wow. Now, I had not used any interactive internet in the classroom because it just wasn't what I was comfortable with. Right. I didn't know how to apply it. And I thought for the first time, this was maybe about 2008, I said to myself, why don't I put on Google, right? Because this, it's a generation of kids at that time who grew up with the internet, right? They're the first digital natives. So I, I kind of boot up, you know, going from an overhead projector world, I, I boot up a, a live board, I don't know what you want to call it, yeah, with, smart, with board. smart board with YouTube on it, and Google Images. And on Google Images, I typed in Constantinople. And the smart board lit up with all these images, of the Hagia Sophia and all this other stuff. And I, I, it was so much easier for me to explain... And for them to understand what it was, looking at those images. Yeah. Right? And now you even have, you know, and I usually say YouTube is like, you could take a tour now of the old St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Yeah. That was torn down for the current one. That yeah. went back to Constantine. And you can take a digital tour of it now on YouTube. Or you could look at the Hagia Sophia when it was before it became a mosque and how it looked in, in Constantinople before it became Istanbul. And these give you tools to teach that was really something we couldn't have even imagined. No. But it, it really, in my opinion, makes it so much easier to, to convey certain knowledge, right? But also it's necessary because that's how these kids learn. Yeah. So in combination with the special needs that they walk into the classroom with, they're also very much products of their generation. And they're going to have a static textbook does not engage them. No, it's a different world. I mean, it's a different world. I had to uh, I had to take my hunting and fishing license in New York last week. I had to take the test. You have to take like safety tests and everything and you could do it either through the traditional means where you study online and take a written test or now they have a system where you basically play a video game for an hour. And that's what I did. I played it took me an hour and a half. I did this whole thing, but you can I learned so much. It was so much easier for me as a person who learns and, visually. And in a visual world, yeah, no one's going to beat Italy. No, Italy's mm -hmm. the best because Italy is is the world epicenter of visual. Yeah, right. The most, the smallest, most unknown town has probably more art in it than, than some than counties of the whole United States. Sure, certain of course. counties do right. And I think that when you're teaching these kids, because as they get older, you know, you're going to have to teach them more and more things, right? appropriate to their age and in light of their, their, their disabilities. And teaching things like art, like history, so much of that does go back to Italy. And now with this technology, it's easy. Because, you know, when we, when we started the conversation, we, we came up with the idea that these kids like to write in hieroglyphics, we said almost, where pictograms, pictograms are much easier for them than written word. Yeah. And it's easy. Italy gives you all the pictures you need mm -hmm. to teach that thing, those things through pictograms. You know, unfortunately, we have an epidemic of, of children with special needs. There's, I'm sure there's many of our listeners have children with special needs. It, for reasons I don't understand, it seems to be growing. Yeah. And we have to meet those kids where they are and do the best that we can to give them the most complete education that, that they can absorb. Absolutely. And I think that what Maria Teresa here is doing is revolutionary because... Special needs kids, if you go back to, I'm a, you know, and this is where my age with you probably makes a difference. They were tolerated in the classroom. So we just got to get this kid out of here. Yeah. 
you know, and they were removed out of, you know, you know, you work so hard to have kids integrated today, and there's a lot of special needs kids that were not, their needs were not addressed in our in our school days, right? You know, kids who called stupid, kids who called, you know, horrible, dumb, horrible names, kids who wrote with their left hand, were smacked to write with their right hand, and you know, yeah, well, and and we're we're beyond that now. We're meeting kids where we, where they are, and we have parents now, who more parents now than ever who have children with these needs. And it's great to see that one of our listeners, an Italian-American young person, is finding new ways to teach them. Yeah. Because this is going to be the, the revolution for them to teach them the things that a regular high schooler would have. Like I said, it's the best that they can absorb it. But using things like the videos, like this in person, the food today, the words today, the Tarantella today, That's right? The, I wish I... You made a real impression. I mean, it's obviously you made a real impression on them. John walks in and they're talking to John about pizza and pineapple. That's a big thing these days. That's a big thing. Yes. And, I, and that must have... So that came up That came up in the classroom discussions. Yes, because I have a PowerPoint I made before you guys came. Like, we did ba- way back when because you have to introduce topics little by little. And I made my own PowerPoint. And it, it goes back to the visuals. I was have the Sistine Chapel, different art places, architectural places throughout Rome, and they were all impressed with it. Oh, is that real? They, they thought it was, like, made on the computer. Mm. They couldn't believe it was just a sh- picture I took on my phone when wow. I was there. A Villa Borghese. I, I lived in Rome during college, so I was I had a lot of just random places in Rome, and they couldn't believe it. And that goes back to visual and being able to go on the smart board, create a PowerPoint, and throw it in there. But then also... We were talking about Napoli, and I made a whole big thing how Miss Maria's Napoli done, and the pizza was invented there. It wasn't just Italy, but it was Napoli. I guess because it's a big thing controversial, and a lot of my students are part of society. Their parents keep them. Some of my students are very well-traveled. The child that said it goes to the Dior every summer mm. and has great experiences. Mom sends me tons of pictures of, like, going to different resorts, being on a farm with his family. So... I think when they're very well aware of the controversies and really when the parents, and that's kudos to the parents, are bringing them out and about on the weekend and making them part of society and not sheltering them home and putting them on an iPad, you see these great things that really connect it to the classroom, real-world experiences. And that's what I love as an educator, when you see that connection of pizza and pineapple. So what did you tell the kids you're not supposed to put pineapple on your I did. Pizza? I said you're hurting Miss Maria's ears. <laughs> yeah, because they were. We, John and I come in here. <laughs> they were adamant about it. the most adamant. <laughs> The most, the strongest opinion we got, like, hi, how are you? And, like, we will never put pineapple on your pizza. As if we had been sent here <laughs> by Neapolitan authorities to make sure the message had come across that you are now part of the Neapolitan Pineapple Police Force. Please don't put pineapple. And then John goes and throws a whole wrench in it and tells them, yeah, but we could, we could put hot dogs and potatoes on there. Well, that's what they do in some of the, I mean, sure, I'm not saying kids, it's good, you got these I kids see it a lot on board in Italy with, with the no people pineapple drink at night. and pizza. Now I, I throw a wrench. And all your hard work, Marie, he just flushed down the door. I know. We make pizza, actually, in uh, the school year, usually. Ah, That's why. It's awesome. Yeah, we do it. We have fun. I try to, like, bridge that funness into the room. We make a lot of stuff. We made friendship treats yesterday. We love to eat and have fun in this room. That's you, made the, you made the tamura, too, the tambourines yes. that they use for the tarantel today. So I want you to know that she took, Maria took paper plates, decorated them like they were tambourines. And I put black beans inside them. The dried grower back black beans. Yeah, yeah, and there's Goya black beans. Yeah. If you're an American, you live in New York, you know what a Goya black <laughs> bean is. And these dried beans, they shake them around in their paper plate made. Stapled, stapled, stapled the plates together, yep. Tambourine. And, I mean, like, what more could you want? That's it's the happiness. That's the that And the kids were dancing, jumping around. We came into a very happy classroom today. And that's a great testament to you, Maria. That's uh, this is a wonderful place. Thank you for taking so much time. I know, I feel like you've you've been one eye on us, one eye on the. Uh, I know. Of course, you that's your like job, right? I. I mean, I'm I'm all about like. I think this comes from my days at EY doing compliance work. I think about like everything that could possibly go wrong, what could be a potential <laughs> lawsuit and compliance issue. That's that little Sicilian side in you. That's I, what that maybe, is. I don't know. I, everything that can go wrong. Yeah, because I, I want to get that. them on the bus home yeah. safe. God bless you. to their parents because. Those phone calls, I love when it, something happens and it's on the bus. Because yeah. I don't love that it happened, but it's just out of my license, out of my yeah. restriction. But, yeah. but let me ask you this, as, we, as we're in the wrap-up mode of this episode. I am sure that there's parents out there of autistic children and other special needs children, family members, grandparents, aunts, uncles, 
There's educators out there who are doing the same that are in the same field you're in. How can they implement what you did? What what? How can they get your your Italian American curricula on Italian American heritage for special needs children? Well, I can definitely have like an email. I haven't put a platform. Maybe that's like something I should do in January 2024. My manifest maybe creating my own website for Italian heritage curriculum. Yeah, I have to look into the logistics of that. But they can definitely reach out on my email, Maria Teresa with an H dot Coranter at gmail dot com. Because yeah. I hope that this grows. I hope yeah. that the idea behind the podcast is we are not here to reminisce about the past, though we do. Yeah, it's about to build the roads for the future with our young future leaders, and so you know, to take this culture into the twenty. Well, we're in the twenty first century. To keep it going forward, and you know. Finally, I wanted to come here to salute you and to give you credit because so often, especially in my years in school, kids with special needs were just, like I said, they were overlooked, right? Yeah. Just get them out of school. Just do what you have to do because they're dragging down the class. And they did, a lot of them, I think, did not receive what they needed. And, no. you know, the no. world we were in then. Remotely. And the fact that you've invested so much time in caring for these kids, it's obvious here. And you love. cook for them and love and you bring yeah. them Italian potato chips and Italian <laughs> cookies. Mm. And now you have a little kid from Costa Rica using the word nona, right? We're going to do a field trip for Sfirels. <laughs> I yes. think that, that's a Neapolitan you. That is not the Sicilian. <laughs> We're going to go to Arthur Avenue for a kid's Sfirel field trip. No. If a you, story is a Sfirel. A story. We gotta, well, we this we, we, we got to do. And I think that, you know, if you have a special needs classroom, this is a great curriculum to yeah. apply. If you don't have an Italian bakery by you, you can get frozen Sfirels and <laughs> make believe they went to the bakery. <laughs> that's right. And I just think that this is just fantastic. This is everything positive that we are and that we're about. And you're a shining star in this. And hopefully other people will be inspired to, what's the word? Take it forward, move it forward, yeah. pay it forward. Pay it forward. Go forward with this. I don't thank you. My dream is one day to actually have a place where I can teach actual ta- children of Italian descent with special needs the stuff and work with them. Like that would that's my like dream manifestation, prayer. Wow. Um you know, I'm I'm trying. You know, you know when COVID hit, that puts a wrench. But that's my manifestation moving forward. I love working with this population. Yeah, so. and, and we gotta take care of all Italian kids, even kids with special yeah, needs. Absolutely, yes. more than anything. Above yeah. more than anybody else, Italian kids with special needs should feel no less Italian. Yeah, or no connected to their heritage. Absolutely, or any less. I agree. To their I heritage. actually know a little boy that changed me. Uh, he's not little anymore, Luciano. But I think that's something that always I say. Why don't you tell us that Luciano story? Luciano? Oh, yes. Um, I, he, I, now, as we said earlier, you were teaching catechism. You were preparing a, a kid. For Holy Communion. For First Holy Communion. Actually, my mom was doing special ed for special ed kids because she's a physical therapist for special ed needs children. And she created how they were not really being included, making their sacraments and making Holy Communion. And kind of pitched the pastor at the, at the church that, like, hey, can I start a program for special ed kids? Because they're not included. They're, we're not allowed to even sit and make sacraments. Yeah. So the priest kind of was, like, hesitant. But she proved herself. And she, like, kind of was like, I need you to come and help me. And doing your volunteer hours in high school. And I, I was kind of like, okay, I'll do it. I need the hours. It was local. And he was creaming in the hallway. And I just said to him, oh, you want to make a deal, a negotiation? And that's what really broke him. And we made a deal. And then he became my little, like, Every week, I actually couldn't not show up for Luciano. When I had to, like, go do something in college or high school, I forgot the year. It, was, it Maybe it was senior year, freshman year of college. I would get upset. I missed him, and then I saw him, and now he made his, I think, all his sacraments. And wow. I helped him for Holy Communion. And he, I mean, to this day, I mean, if I see his mom, I, she knows that he's changed me. Like, he's yeah. the reason I'm a special ed teacher. That's beautiful. You know, in the 1950s, when anthropologists were starting to study Italian-Americans, and they realized we weren't going to go on boats and go back. Yeah. Um, one of them noted that in Tang communities, one of the things that impressed them was special needs people were, com- were integrated, were yeah. completely integrated, right? Where some cultures kind of locked them away because they felt they were, you know, items of shame. We, and we did the opposite, and we integrated them, right? So you had a special needs person who would walk down the street and everybody knew them and bought them a cup of coffee and, you know, we didn't, we didn't marginalize our own. Yeah. That's what they came up with. And, and I think that, that this is very much part of that tradition. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's something to be said about, you know, all the studies say when you teach a kid their heritage, they are empowered. And so you're, you're teaching kids about their own heritage comparative to ours. But also, like you say, the point, 
that you really dream of is Italian Americans with special needs being able to access this curriculum if it's not at school, even if it's at home. Yeah. Because when you give these, when you give kids a sense of where they come from and their roots, they are far better adjusted and far stronger. It's just proven. And if you're thinking about being a special ed teacher and you listen to this podcast, be an Italian American special ed teacher. <laughs> That's absolutely right. And another aspect of our culture is we start wrapping up this this episode about a half hour ago. Yes, and I'm hungry clock, now. <laughs> we are the opposite of the Irish goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're doing a great job, so thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to just share this. And, uh, you know, being a passionate Italian-American, this isn't just for special ed kids, too. It could be for early, like, early elementary kids, kids who haven't, like, emerging readers who yeah. are typical as well. Yeah. It definitely can be adapted to be higher level, lower level, or just stay as it is. But we're going to have to get your stuff in front of other teachers yeah. and some of the Italian-American teachers that we work with. This is great. I'm, I'm sure you're going to get emails. Yeah, I hope I'd so. be shocked if you didn't get emails. You should probably set up your own little, what do you call Instagram account for this. Uh-huh. You know, because it's definitely going to yeah, come. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have too great many thing. Instagram accounts. I run the Instagram account for the school. <laughs> we know the feeling. That's a, yeah. I'm not particularly good you at it. You know that feeling. I don't. It's hard. Yeah, no. You, I, I Instagram, not my thing, but a website. We, you know, we can yeah. help you, too. You, you definitely should. This curriculum should be out there. and. Hopefully we can help get it out there. So thank you for having us here. Thank you for welcoming us in and really taking the time. It's just so valuable. This has been unbelievable. Thank you for listening to the show and reaching out. And to all the families out there, the students here at this wonderful school. To special needs parents, we're with you. Yeah, we're it's tough. We we know you got a lot going on. But we we support you the best we can. And we hope that what Maria Teresa is doing can get to your school and help your kids feel Proud to be Italian-American. Absolutely. That's it's all it's about, feeling good. And uh, I think we're going to go sample some eggplant parmigiana, and that's no better way to feel good than a little homemade You said food, it, not so. me. Don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be blaming Mr. Mangione here. He had to go and manja <laughs> <laughs> from. Well, thank you for having us again, and I uh, hope you guys out there have enjoyed this. Reach out to us for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great.